You're with Julian on the Brown Note and a review of the latest Spider-Man film, No Way Home, <coughs> which has gone gangbusters with the critics and with audiences and with um, box office. And the weird thing is, the John Watts directed this and he directed the, um, I think, both the other recent Spider-Man films. Yeah, he did Homecoming, Far From Home. But he also directed a film I gave good reviews to over 10 years ago, a very low-budget film about two kids stealing a cop car called Cop Car. The reason I mention that is that um, I do a podcast for movie reviews and for some reason that is far and away the most uh, listened to. This like really low budget indie film for no reason. Anyway, I have, I, so everyone loves this, but um, I have massive, like I hate Spider-Man as a character. I, I, like, I really detest Tobey Maguire as an actor. So I wasn't on board those early Sam Raimi films um, back at the start of the 2000s, which predated the Marvel films. I guess if you were to look at the Tim Burton Batman comic book films, you would say that that was uh, ground zero for the modern superhero comic book uh, film version. Um, and, and then Marvel sort of took over with Iron Man on. But really the um, Sam Raimi Spider-Man films were the... Were the middle ground they were the precursor to the modern era because there were these super high budget high quality films so i had no problem with the first couple of those films but i really didn't like i didn't like the character of spider-man and i don't like toby Maguire, and i hate the whole whiny emo and goofy teen angle on films so and then andrew garfield came in with a couple of very lackluster films the first one was okay and he was very amiable the second one was an absolute disaster um and then um tom holland another actor that i haven't really got a lot of time for he's uh, taken over in the modern well he's lucked out because he got to do it during the time where he could he, he could intersect with the main avengers movies so that helped him enormously and um people have much loved the first two films the first film i would have given six out of ten to now the second film was uh, far from home was an abomination I don't understand how that hasn't got more paid out on. That's like bottom tier below Thor 2, below Iron Man 2. It is excrement. It is purely a terrible film. So I wasn't going into this with a lot of hope. And this is a spoiler alert review. So I am spoiling a lot of this film. It's been out for a while and all of the famous people that come back in it have been talking about coming back in it in the media for weeks now. So this isn't a, a review for people that haven't seen it and care. I'm going to spoil a lot of the film because it's very difficult to talk about any of the film without doing that. Um, so the setup here is pretty ingenious. Um, the uh, Spider-Man character in the last film, in, a, in a, just abomination, uh, fought off against Jake Gyllenhaal in a completely wasted role. Um, and killed the, the Jake Gyllenhaal character and uh, he got basically set up by Gyllenhaal and painted as the villain and painted as this evil monster and the public turned against him and the, um, the public turned against him and throwing fruit at him in the street and also Zendaya and the um, guy that plays his best friend who is uh, Jacob Batalon um, they all get um, refused access to Harvard University, no, MIT uh, University, because of the notoriety surrounding um, Spider-Man and the fact that everyone now knows who 
Spider-Man is. They all know he's Peter Parker and his life's become unsafe. So his life's ruined and he goes to Doctor Strange, who's the only real holdover from the Avengers here, and says, you know, can you help? And Doctor Strange is like, well, I can basically, um, I can turn, I can cast a spell where everyone forgets that you're Spider-Man. Um, in the process of casting that spell, it becomes, he starts to realise that, oh, wait, I can't lose my girlfriend's in a day, or I can't lose my best friend, I can't lose Aunt May, who is, again, the hottest Aunt May in history, Marissa Tomei, who is a goddess beyond all imagining, um, and dies in this film. Um, so he starts spoiling this spell and saying, you know, I want this person to remember me, I want that person to remember me. And in the end, they shut down the, the spell. But what's happened is the multiverse has opened up, and the multiverse is where there are different variations on the current universe with the same people, you know, different characters and so on. And that is an ingenious setup. So we get the villains from the first two iterations of Spider-Man in the modern era, people like Alfred Molina from, I think, one, and uh, Willem Dafoe, from I think the first two as the Green Goblin, they show up and um, Doctor Strange is like, oh dear, this isn't good. So there are some battles with these old villains from the original Spider-Man movies. And then obviously the two Spider-Men, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, turn up. And that's all ingenious and that's all great. And obviously when people like, you know, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire that had anticlimactic um, ends to their tenures as Spider-Man with the last films being really paid out on coming back after so many years where the fanboys have kind of um, you know gone back and um, given them a hagiography of um, re-evaluating their importance and what you know I can understand the cheering in the cinema to be honest it would have been an amazing thing even seeing the villains like Willem Dafoe was an amazing thing and I can completely understand why people have gone nuts about it. Uh, it's not surprising given how uh, comic book audiences tend to really go for fan service an awful lot. So it, I can understand it, and it's gone nuts like Rotten Tomatoes over 90%, but the telling figure here is Metacritic, which is 70%, which is not 9 out of 10, it's 7 out of 10. And that certainly doesn't put it top-tier Marvel up with Winter Soldier or the first Avengers movie or any, you know, first Iron Man. It puts it closer to mid-tier. So this is what I'd say about um, No Way Home. The, the problems I have, I can completely get that the setup is wonderful and getting to see those old people come back into it is wonderful and those things are great. And the opening sort of half hour is exhilarating and tension fueled and um to be honest an awful lot of the midsection is actually really flabby uh, and pace wise it feels like it's padded out to get to moments like the emergence of andrew garfield and toby Maguire and trades on that a lot um once the established story of the you know, Doctor Strange spell and the um, the villains coming back from the past. So the, the, the main crux of the story is the villains come back from the past and Tobey Maguire captures them for Doctor Strange and they're going to get zapped back into their respective worlds. 
They realised that when they zapped them back into their respective worlds, they'd already been killed by Spider-Man. This is never answered. This is never really answered. <clears throat> How the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield characters come back and are alive, but the other characters are already dead in their respective worlds. Massive hole. Whatever anyone wants to say. say. So it, it's a good motivational point because it then becomes about the morality of sending them back to their doom. Whereas the Tom Holland character wants to actually um, give them, to cure them of what, and, and they come to the point of thinking that they, they've basically been infected by this evil disease that has made them into supervillains. This again to me is a big plot hole because it's ignoring the fact that they pursued this road in the first place. So we get the Alfred Molina character at some point when he's built all these tentacles and that, they've taken over his body. But it ignores the fact that he'd gone to the great lengths to build all these tentacles and become powerful in the first place. These people were pursuing power and then became corrupted by it. <clears throat> and it's made out here like it is it's COVID and they can give them an injection and get rid of it, which I didn't buy, um, to be honest. It seemed, um, yeah, but I understood the morality of not sending them back to their doom, but instead giving them a second chance and so on, even if it didn't make any sense. The number one thing I had a really big problem with here was the methodology of Spider-Man and his actions, which I found absolutely excruciating. Time and again, he does the most reckless things that endanger everyone on planet Earth deliberately, and his motivations are so unbelievably weak. So we're asked to really, really care about Spider-Man not getting into MIT. Who gives a shit? Excuse my French. This is a motivation for him going to Doctor Strange to cast a spell on all of the people on planet Earth, <coughs> which results in all of the people on planet Earth becoming in mortal danger because him and his girlfriend don't get into MIT. But then when these cast Doctor Strange is casting the spell, he actually interrupts him continually throughout, causing it to fail, causing all of the villains to come back. And then when Doctor Strange fixes that and he's about to send all the villains back, he fights Doctor Strange to get the switch to send them back off of him because he wants to give them another try. By this stage, I was thinking, God, I hate you, Spider-Man. Like, it was infuriating, absolutely infuriating. And then he even pulls one worse. He actually gets the supervillains out of jail uh, uh, to try and help them and takes them to Tony Stark's mega technology. For some reason, that doesn't go well. I mean, his, <coughs> his actions are so infuriating. I don't know how anyone can actually enjoy this film. It was so infuriating when Aunt May gets killed, and I worship Marissa Tomei. I absolutely worship her. I was happy because of how upset it made Superman. So his actions throughout are just unbelievably, unbearably reckless, continually endangering everyone and often for the most pathetic notions so that really i really struggled with that um as a film overall though it's exciting um and the whole sort of you know dropping three old villains in at the third mark and then three spider-men in at the two-third mark it, it lifts the film immeasurably Personally, I thought Tobey Maguire was ring rusty here and his performance wasn't very good. Andrew Garfield was superb. I thought he really stood out. 
Uh, and um, Zendaya was good. Uh, Tom Holland was... It, like his acting might have been all right, but his character was so infuriating. I found it really hard to actually uh, put up with him. I kind of wanted the worst things to happen to him, and he's supposed to be the hero. And uh, and, and he kind of knew to Doctor Strange as well. I thought Doctor Strange, why are you putting up with this? So um, there's a lot to recommend here, uh, and they you know they double down on the fan service by doing something and making it work. And, uh, and making the 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 reasons for all of the old villains, and the I think the thing is is that those two previous incarnations of Spider-Man petered to such a disastrous end that it never got bludgeoned to death. So it, it kind of reinvigorated having any contact with those characters. Certainly the Andrew Garfield one. I reckon he'll get a new movie. Don't I? I don't know why people aren't picking up Tobey Maguire for being a really hammy here. Uh, and just a bit sort of in the headlights. Um, so overall, it's a lot of dead time as well. So as a film, I would say it's um, it's a 7 out of 10 for Spider-Man No Way Home, which is the same score as pretty much the average overall score is. There's, um, there's, there's a lot wrong, as well as the brilliance of bringing everyone back. 7 out of 10 for No Way Home. And this is um, some speed garage, because that's what I do. In my days off, uh, Walking Zero, don't know anything about it.